can be different. There's a God who has sent someone here as a man, the Lord Jesus Christ, to change things. And what I've put up there is to do with what we've been a part as a church recently. Oh, this was last week's thing, but it says in the notices, probably if you've got the written one here, God's desire is for a community of believers. And what we've been saying is that community of believers needs to understand and do well in our relationships. So we've talked about not lying to one another. We talked about loving even our enemies, haven't we? Yeah. And it's been a wonderful series. Some have been really challenging, such as you've got to be careful what you say because there's the power of words. Other part of the series is how do you deal with conflict in an appropriate way? But I've put up on that slide something that I deeply believe that for a Christian community of believers to have success, this is the key. Humility. And so, I'm going to read to you, and I want you to not... And sorry, I want us to pray something that illustrates this humility. And I've got a version of Psalm 25 well, it's my slightly adapted Psalm 25, if you could put that up for us. And this is one of the aspects of humility, and we've been, singing, we've been singing about it, and we've been thinking about it as we've been worshipping. We want God's way in our life. So, if you, can, if you can trust me that the next slide, there are two of them once we've read it, I would like us to read this out loud, but I want us to read it as if it was a prayer. So it starts, show me your way, O Lord. Okay, just, 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 just a moment. I want you to recognize, just by raising your hand, if you don't know what's going to happen in the next few weeks, and even months, just show me if you're not sure what's going to happen as far as your life is concerned. Right, okay, thank you. Okay, so that's what we're saying. We're saying, we were just singing how we need the Lord in our life. And so we're going to pray together. Now we can start, sorry to interrupt you. Show me your way, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Saviour. Remember not the sins of my youth. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his ways. And all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful. You notice the word humility in there? He guides the humble in what is right. So there is this process where we're saying, we need you, Lord, we need you. But then sometimes you have to say, Lord, I'm not sure what's going to happen. So 
guide me. Guide me in what is right in your sight. That is such a powerful prayer. And God will answer that because he loves us when we show to him or we say to him, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how to cope with this. But guide me in the right way. Now I've got to get up. <laughs> right, here we go. Up we go. So I think that the key for a successful community of believers is, if we like to go to the next one, is two, two sides. That we are... Oh, I didn't know I put that one in. That's very good. Okay, this is another prayer. <laughs> this is another prayer that we can go back to, I think, at the end. What's it saying? Oh, that's all right. Keep it up, my friend. The one who holds tomorrow... So we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but he does, is calling you and me to follow. And then we have to say, yes, I'll go that way. Heart and soul, I will go. The maker of the promise will finish what is started. Heart and soul, I will go. That's how we're to respond to him in humility. And the next slide says, there's humility towards him, but then the success of a community is humility towards one another. Now I'm asking Alison, if she doesn't mind, to come forward at this stage, because I want to, her to illustrate what I've just been talking about. Because she faithfully tried to follow what God was prompting her to do about five years ago. So tell us what he was prompting you to do five years ago to start with. Well, I kept getting the word law, and I was given a word that I would be a voice for the voiceless. So I asked people to pray about this for me, and I just felt I was to start pushing some doors um, into looking to study law. So having doing this, I found I needed a degree to go and do a law conversion or I needed to do an access course and go and do a three-year degree course. Well, because I haven't been in education for a while, I found a course that was called a two plus two. So the first year of a degree, I spent doing it over two years at Solihull College. So this was a degree in social studies. So the plan after that was to go and do a law conversion. So I spent the four years studying for a degree, which I obtained last year, June, July, in social studies. Okay, and what were you hoping that would then lead to? Well, the plan was then to look into doing a law conversion. So. I applied to the University of Law because they were the only um, university that I could find that would do a law conversion. So I started this law conversion in um, September. And after a number of weeks, I just 
started to not feel well. I started to be like I couldn't focus, couldn't concentrate. I, I wasn't sleeping very well. I, I just couldn't string words together in my writing. And a few people were concerned for me and they said, Alison, we've got to pray about this. And I, I said, yeah, I said, that's right, we need to pray about it. So this one day I left the university and I just felt God say to me, you're not going to have to push any doors anymore. You're going to walk through them. So the next day, I, I didn't do any study that evening or the next day. So I knew straight away I was behind with the work because it was quite intense. So I, I spent that day with God. And I can remember it clearly because it was a Wednesday in October. And I just saw this picture that I was here and God was over here. So he was ahead of me, but in a different position. And I just said, what are you doing over there? <laughs> and it was like, well, what are you doing over there? <laughs> so I knew I'd got to take that step of faith and close the door on law. And I'll tell you, it was not easy. And one of, one, one of the home group leaders said to me, Alison, you had to go and do, test that. You had to go and test law because otherwise you would have always been wondering about law. So I closed the door and I then had to wait on God. And he was telling me to rest. And it's like I learned that rest means I can enjoy myself. But I actually started looking for a job, and I just felt God was saying, did I tell you to do that? <laughs> so I just, I, I did rest. I spent time with him. I met with people, was encouraging one another, praying. And I, I spent time, I was in the gym, and I was with my swimming buddy, swimming. And I just waited on him. I had to wait on him. So, now... You've got something yeah. that has now kind of been in, fulfilled. Yeah. In early January, I was listening to um, this guy preaching from America. And God used what he was preaching on. And I just... He said that what happened last year had to happen. But you're not to take it into this year. And you're to stand on the words you were given. And I was like, well, God, I haven't got any words anymore because I've closed the door on law. And Holy Spirit just went, you're going to be a voice for the voiceless. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So from that, I just kept getting Y1, Youth with a Mission. So I decided to look at their website and I looked at discipleship training courses and, you know, I've got a heart for justice. And one of the courses was new, and it was called Justice and Compassion. And I just knew that course was for me. So being as I like the sunshine, I looked at the Honolulu base because <laughs> I thought of the beaches and the sunshine and how nice that would be. But they didn't do that course. <laughs> so... I applied to go to YWAM. I shared it with people. We prayed about it. And a lot of them said, Alison, you've had to find this for yourself. And that's when I knew people had been praying for me that I would go to YWAM. And I go middle of September. I hope to go. 
and um, I don't really, it's an adventure. I don't really know how long I'm going for. I've rented my house out. I'm living with my mom and I haven't pushed any doors. God's just opened the door wider and wider for me to walk through. He's directed every single path in this and still is. Well, Lord, we thank you so much for the way you've guided Alison and we pray you'll continue to open doors and continue to bless her as she seals, sees the fulfillment of the words you put on her heart. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Sometimes, you know, we are called to rest. And as some of you know, oh, I'm using this. <laughs> Sorry. I'm glad you turned it off. Um, and as you know, uh, I have not been very well um, over the last uh, year or so. And uh, some of you will know that I was diagnosed with having cancer. And I now know that I am completely free. And I want to just say a very big thank you for every single person who's prayed for me and other people who have taken particular uh, initiatives to bring others to pray together and I just want to say thank you. God has answered your prayers remarkably. Um, And so um, I'm saying thank you to you because that's part of humility, saying thank you. Part of humility uh, you saw in Alison's Alison's story is that she got others to pray with her. And I'm so blessed that I got friends here who prayed for me. And I want to honour two young people who are among us this morning. Uh, They're called Emma, and I'm not going to point them out, but Emma and Charlotte, because they prayed for me and they wrote down what the prayers were and scriptures around their praying. And they, with mum's help, I guess, did a pillowcase and put a pillow in it. And all these scriptures, encouragements for me, were there. So also another person called Mary, I don't know whether you got your mum to pray for me with that. You did. Okay, so all the, I got prayers in Korea. Okay, bless your Lord. So uh, Miri told her mum about me and got her to pray. And she brought me a, is it called a peace cushion? Or a peace something? Okay, beautifully decorated. And it's on the chair where I sit when I want peace. And because some people's praying me to rest and have peace, and that's been answered. And that pillow, I was even using it last night. I won't tell you why, but I was using it in prayer and just sitting and, and, and sleeping, actually, eventually, because it gave me peace and I rested. So I want to say thank you for that. You see, if we go on to the next slide, please... Humility, I've broken it up into four things. If you are to be humble, you have to have a teachable nature. That doesn't just mean you listen to what people are encouraging you to do. It means you try and put it into practice. 
also a thankful nature. There's scriptures that say God doesn't like it when we take things for granted. God loves it when we are a thankful people. And then he loves it when we show a submissive nature. We share things with one another and we submit ideas to one another. He loves that and he loves it when we submit our will to his will. One of the most challenging things in the scriptures that you'll read is how the children of Israel, although they were new, really part of their community was really a trust in God, how they turned quickly to idols. And there was an idol that often they turned to. It was called Baal or different Baals. B-A-A-L. And the general thing about that idol was that they prayed to God for prosperity. They prayed to that idol for prosperity. And so in the time of Elijah, um, there was no prosperity because he said, God says there's going to be a drought. And they were dependent on food. They were dependent on a good harvest. And if there's a drought for three years, you know what it's like just having it for three months here. Yeah, a drought for three whole years and the same similar things are happening in Australia. But that is because they were praying to a god, an idol, a false god, who was the god of prosperity. And they were challenging it. They were challenging the fact that God provides all our need. So a submission to God, again, we were singing that in our, our songs, is so important so important we humble ourselves before God but also we seek to do that with each other and here's the devotion a devoted nature that means if you devoted towards other people if you say you're going to do this you don't cancel at the last moment you fulfill your promises that's devotion. And it's the same with our attitude to God. If we say, yes, God, I'll follow you, I'll do this, we have to remember in humility to do what we're saying to God. So my advice to us is be very, very careful how we pray and what we say in prayers because God wants us to honour that. Now, as I said at the beginning, and I'm really pleased, I, I'm sensed there's quite a lot of people who are wanting to, um, wanting to know what the next step in life is. So if you get to the next slide, I'm going to read from Matthew 11. And this is so wonderful because Jesus is our example of humility. And Jesus says, Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from, from me. And then he says, For I am gentle, and humble in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then if you've got a Bible there and want to click over to Matthew 12, when Matthew wrote the Gospel, he, was, he got to know Jesus and he could say, yes, this person was God because he saw the miracles and he began to believe he was the Son of God. But Matthew wrote something about his nature, the nature of a servant, which we saw in the uh, washing of feet. But this is what verse 18 says. He quotes from Isaiah. Here is my servant who I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out till he leads justice to victory and in his name the nations will put their hope. Do you see that this prophecy about Jesus that came true? He was humble and gentle. He w- wouldn't, he wouldn't uh, argue with people. He wouldn't cause a, a fuss. People caused a fuss around him, but he wouldn't go deliberately to cause that. And he, it's a wonderful thing, a bruised reed, somebody who's really hurting. He won't, he won't hurt a bruise read, he will not break them, it says, he will restore them. And now I want to just share with you something really that I think is amazing. We might well know that one of the first apostles, um, Peter, he used to be quite proud, didn't he? He, he was... He was uh, quite self-opinionated and quite, um, thank you, he was. And if you, I want to read from um, 1 Peter chapter 5, oh here we go, someone's ahead of me, bless you. And verse 5 says this as instruction to young men in the church, but also it then goes on for instruction to everybody, he says this, Young men, be submissive to those who are older. And then he says, all of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, dear Peter learnt that. He learnt that he needed to humble himself. So verse 6 says, humble yourself, therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And sometimes we, we, we are tempted within our society to find an easy way out through different means. But when we humble ourselves before God, it says, he will lift you up in due time. It's him that does it. He's got a mighty hand. Verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. But the exciting bit that I, that I really, really realised, and we were singing about the grace of God being all that we need, is the grace of God is given to each of us to share. So the grace of God is, is kind of distributed through you as a body. Am I making sense? Let me read to you from 
1 Peter 4 and verse 10. Well, I'll go to verse 8, it's better. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. God's grace, what does it do? God's grace gives his wisdom. Prophecy. What else does it do? Think about it. God's grace gives healing. God's grace can, uh, can help save people. And it's ha- it happens as his grace is distributed through you and me. And, it's, and Peter says here, if you speak, so this is verse 11, if you speak, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. So you use those speaking gifts. For example, a speaking gift might be the discernment of spirits. So you would speak out that gift. Another one is the gift of knowledge, that you know something about a situation and you bring that forward, you speak it out, but you do it in humility as if, well, not as if, it is that God's given it to you. It's not your brilliant idea. It's God that's given you that gift. And then it says, if anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. So when you are seeking to serve God, sometimes it can be jolly hard work. But it says quite clearly, do it in the strength that God provides. And that knowledge is the knowledge, if you go on to the next thing here, this is a revelation, I think, to lots of people about a word. Lots of people say to me, is your church a charismatic church? And I say, yes. And they say, well, we don't hear many of this, this, and this, and this. But what does charisma mean? Do you know? Charisma means an act of grace. That's what it means. And so if you show grace through giving the gifts that God's given you, serving the body of Christ, you are a charismatic church. Do you want to be that? Do you want to be that? Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to invite someone to the front now who's going to do a little presentation. Sorry, it's only giving you 10 minutes or a quarter of an hour or whatever you want, but come on. Because God's given this man a speaking gift and he's going to speak to us now. Hallelujah. Hi, well, good morning. I don't have a microphone. You do? Just, just there. It's behind you, yes. Are we on? Hello. Yeah. One, two, three. Testing, can you hear me? 
Right, thank you. David invited me to speak this morning. I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. I haven't spoken publicly for three years, so I'm a little bit out of practice. I just want to say hello to the microphone. How are you? I've missed you. <laughs> um, but I just, I just want to... Um, yeah, the slides are on. I just want to give you a brief talk, which is an evangelistic type talk. And if we've got time at the end, we'll have a song. We were singing this song earlier, and it was just hit in my spirit when I when we cast my care. Um, what's it called again, Andrew? Um, it's called Don't Praise the Name. It starts, I cast my mind to Calvary. Yeah, I cast my mind to Calvary. That was hit in my spirit. So if there's time, we're going to have a look at that um, towards the end. <clears throat> So, first of all, let me introduce myself. My name is Stanley David Thompson. I've been coming to this church for about a year. I've been born again for over 20 years. And when I say born again, I mean radically born again by the Spirit of God. Now, I used to be a self-confessed agnostic, like this gentleman here. This is a, a news article I saw this week. He, he was at a Christian festival called New Wine, and he's married to a Christian. <coughs> but he's still struggling with a question, why does my wife believe? So he thought he'd go along to this festival with her and put up this um, blackboard and ask Christians the question, why do you believe? Well, that would be very nice if most people were quite gentle with us and asked us simple questions, why do you believe, rather than being aggressive with us and nasty towards us, because uh, we do have a story to tell. We really do. So as a self former self-confessed agnostic, I was unsure whether God existed, and I was unsure whether Jesus Christ really is the Son of God. Now, I decided to take the stand of an agnostic when I was 14. Now, my father was a soldier, so I grew up in what used to be West Germany, and I grew up in a military environment, so I was surrounded as a boy by tanks, guns, machine guns, and soldiers practicing to go to Northern Ireland um, during our school breaks. So... That's the sort of background I've come from. And um, we came to England when I was 17. And um, so at the age of 14, I took this stand of an agnostic, but at the time I called it the stand of a doubting Thomas. And the reason I did that was I was uncertain whether Jesus really is the Son of God and whether God really existed. I was a bit confused by what the science teacher was teaching us and what the religious education teacher was teaching us. So I decided in one of the RE lessons that I would take that stand of a doubt in Thomas. Now, I never thought about God, Jesus Christ, or the meaning of life again until I was 28. So for 14 years, God never entered my mind. So, but what happened, something shocked me that caused me to think, and that shock was a sudden and unexpected death of my father. It was a real shock to the family, and as we buried him, we buried him down at the Robin Hood uh, Cemetery, a thought came into my mind. There must be more to life than this. To live, to work hard all your life, than just suddenly die is utter meaningless. What is the point? So I thought there must be more to life than this. And then three years later, I became a Christian. So it's that thought planted a seed in my mind that germinated in me becoming a Christian. Now, there's a process that I went through, and I haven't really got time to tell you that this morning because it would take me about 30 minutes or so. But to whet your appetite, I had an amazing encounter with God. And it happened in my parents' home. I was on my own. But I'll save that story for another time. But it was so, so radical 
that it turned my world upside down and everyone I knew started to think, what's happened to him? Well, what had happened to me is that I had discovered the truth about Jesus Christ, that he really is the Son of God. And there was a passion that was infused in my heart. So my aim, very briefly this morning, is, is to help anyone who is an agnostic, who's wrestling with questions about Jesus Christ. Is he really the Son of God? Does God really exist? Is this Christian stuff real, or are they wasting their time? Well, I can tell you, if it wasn't real, I would not be here. I'd be down in the pub. I'd be down at the football club. I'd be down at the nightclubs. I'd be getting drunk as a skunk. I've done all of that. I live that lifestyle. I, tell you, I can tell you now from the bottom of my heart, I know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and, he, and he's after you. He wants you. He's got, he's got his finger on you. He's calling you to him. Now, there's this thing called free will that we have. God won't violate your free will. So he's urging you to come to him. So I want to encourage you, if you're, well, there's many Christians here today, to keep praying for the prodigals and to keep praying for your family and friends who don't know Christ yet. Because they will come to faith, I'm certain of it. I am the product of a mother's prayers. My mother cried her heart out for her son because she knew the lifestyle I was living. I had a professional job, but I was also a bit of a rascal by night. <laughs> so um, she knew that I was in darkness, and she was calling out to God, calling for his mercy, and eventually there was a breakthrough. Now, I want to briefly... Have I got this on? Hopefully this works. We're, we're there. Right, I just want to briefly talk about the subject of gifts. It's my brother's birthday yesterday, and I bought him this wonderful gift. He hasn't seen it yet. I won't see him till Tuesday. But it's a James Bond exhibition gift down in London, in Covent Garden. Now, he lives down in London, and I had a chat with his wife, Helen. What can I get him? And because it's two tickets... And the meal that goes with it, she said, get him that gift, because she can go along too. So um, she obviously has to get someone to babysit for the children. Now, the reason I mention this is that God has a gift for you. And the gift is not a trip to outer space. The gift is not a James Bond-themed gift. But the gift that God has for you... Whoops, what's happened there? The gift that God has for you is the gift of eternal life. We're told that in Romans chapter 6. Verse 23. You probably all know that, that famous passage of Scripture where Jesus spoke to Nicodemus and said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus offers to you, God offers to you, the gift of eternal life. Now it's a free gift, but it did not come cheaply, and it came at a price. And that price was more than the 75 pound, I was going to say 75,000, the 75 pound that I spent on my brother's gift, birthday gift, and it's more than this, and it costs more than the 71 million pounds that Chelsea have just spent on a new goalkeeper. The price of God's gift reflects the value that he places upon you as a person, and this is the price of that gift. The death and the humiliation of God's son. Would you sacrifice your son and daughter for another human being. I bet you wouldn't. I wouldn't. I haven't got any children, but I can tell you now, I wouldn't. So this is amazing that God has sent his son into the world to pay the price 
for our sins. And this is how much he values you. And David said we live in a pretty weird world. This world will do everything to devalue who you are as a human being. But I'm here to tell you that God has placed the ultimate value on you in the universe. You are special to him and you are greatly loved by him. Now why, you may ask, did God send his son into the world to pay, to die on the cross for me? Well, let me say to you that the sacrifice of God's son was not done on a whim. It had been planned in advance by God. And we're told in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, that Jesus was born specifically to come to save his people from their sins. And the name of Jesus means saviour. And Christ means anointed one. So when we say Jesus Christ... We mean the saviour, the anointed one. He is the all-powerful one. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is almighty God. He is the son of God. Now, the crucifixion was foretold by the prophet Isaiah 700 years before it actually happened. God spoke through the prophet and said that God's servant would be led as a lamb to the slaughter. God would lay on him the iniquity of us all. And John the Baptist knew these scriptures and he knew by the Spirit of God that Jesus was the fulfillment of that 700-year-old prophecy. He knew by the Spirit of God that Jesus was the lamb that would be led as a slaughter that would, and upon whom the Lord would lay upon him all of our iniquities. And that is why John the Baptist, he didn't live to see the crucifixion on earth. He would have seen it from heaven. But three years before it happened, John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And and he also testified that Jesus is the Son of God and Jesus is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. So why did Jesus have to die on the cross for me? Well, it's because the wages of sin is death. We will all pay the price for our sin at the judgment of God, every single one of us, unless... We allow Jesus to pay that price for us. Now, he's paid that price, and that's why this is the gift of God. God has sent his son to pay that price. This is a serious message for all of us. Please, if if you are an agnostic, if you're someone who's searching for the truth and you're listening to this message today, please do not leave this room without seriously considering your condition before God. You are in a state of sin but you can be transferred from that state into a state of righteousness by virtue of what Jesus has done on the cross for you. So Jesus did not have to die for us. He chose to do so out of his deep, passionate love for us. And he came to set us free from the power of sin. He came to set us free from the lies of the devil. He came to set us free from the consequences of our sins. And he came to make peace between us and God through the blood of the cross. Jesus came to justify us in God's sight, by his blood. The blood of Jesus is very powerful. And he came to save us from God's righteous judgment against our sin. Now Jesus loves us, God loves us, and he came to reconcile us through his death and save us by his life. And he came to offer us this gift, this amazing gift of eternal life. But it's a question of, do you want that gift? Do you want Jesus to pay the price for your sins? Do you, really? Do you recognise that you're in a condition before God 
of um, danger, really, if you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, if you do, if you're ready to humble yourself, David's been speaking about humility. I'll tell you how I did it. I humbled myself before God. I prayed a what's known as a sinner's prayer. And um, there's some small print on it that said, if you say this prayer with all of your heart, you will meet Jesus. So I took it seriously. I took it literal. I thought, right, I'm going to pray this prayer. And I prayed it every night. But I didn't just pray it once. I prayed it every night for three months until I met Jesus. And the reason I believe I had to pray it until, until not only I met Jesus, I had to actually mean what I was saying. And that prayer included repenting of my sin, forgiving those that have trespassed against me, confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, asking God to fill me with his Holy Spirit, renouncing the devil, renouncing the powers of darkness, renouncing anything that I've been involved in in the past. So if you're wondering, how do you receive this gift? You've, you've got to approach Jesus. He's the only one who can give you this gift. I can't give it to you. David can't give it to you. Ben can't give it to you. Andrea, none of us can give you that gift. Only Jesus Christ can give you that gift. So I would encourage you, if you're hungry to receive that gift from God, if you're ready to do what I did and to repent of your sin, to humble yourself before God, it's not before man, it's before God. If you're ready to do that, and I would encourage you to come forward for prayer as we close this service today. Prayer. Yeah, sure. yeah. Okay. Okay, David's just asked me to close in prayer, so I'll just pray. If there's anyone here who's heard this brief testimony, this brief um, sermon, if you're ready to commit your life to Jesus, if you're ready to humble yourself before God, if you're ready to meet your maker and be reconciled to him and have a great relationship with him, I'd encourage you to pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out. Father God, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me for my sin. I repent of all of my sin. I'm sorry for not acknowledging that Jesus Christ is Lord, God and Saviour. I repent of that. I renounce the works of darkness. I renounce all my involvement in any form of witchcraft, sorcery, in any form of the Ouija board or the occult, or anything that's not right in your eyes, I repent of that. And I confess, I take a step of faith, and I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I invite you, Heavenly Father, to send the Holy Spirit to come into my life and to open my eyes to the truth and to help me to live for you. Amen. Amen. Okay. Just, um, I want also to pray for anybody who feels their hopes for the future have been dashed. Um, so they had things in mind that they were really wanting to um, progress and it seems like it's all gone wrong. So if you're, in that if you're that person, just as I pray, I, you just kind of acknowledged it. Thank you, Lord, that when we're confused, we can approach you. 
because you have a perfect plan for each of us. And Lord, for everybody here who feels their hopes for the future have been dashed, I pray that you will bring comfort, that you will bring peace, and you will bring real hope for the future. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I do have one word of knowledge, which is to do with your daughter, Vako, and... Uh, and um, Ma um, Mavis, sorry. Um, what God spoke to me last night about her, your oldest one, Phoebe, is very, very precious. God is putting her in that school that she's in for a very special reason. She is going to share the gospel with a number of children there. So I'm just saying it publicly so we can pray for Phoebe, that she will be a wonderful influence in her school and children will be absolutely delighted through that. Bless you both. Thank you. Okay, those aren't teas and coffees. If you just want to go and prepare now, because I'm going to actually, in a moment, release everybody. So you're going to have a big flood. Okay, so if you want teas and coffees, if you can go behind. Because 